0: Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, verse 3 through 6, as we're looking at the promise to sure deliverance. Uh, Unsaved people need delivered, and then saved people have things that come in their life that they need to be delivered from. And so that's it. I know we're coming off of Thanksgiving weekend, and I (laughs) think of the Old uh, fella, he called his son in New York. He said, "Son, I've had 45 years of misery. It's been 45 years of misery for both your mother and me. We're divorcing." He said, "Dad, what? No, you can't do it. Dad, Dad." He said, "I'm tired of talking of it. Call your sister down in Dallas and tell her the same thing. I'm not going to talk about it anymore." and hung up. He calls his sister says, Dad's gonna get, it. he better not. I'll oh, kill him before he does that. And boys, boy, I mean, she's mad, and she calls the dad up. She says, Dad, you're not divorced, and you're not gonna get divorced. And I'm gonna call brother back. We're gonna be there tomorrow. And hung up on him. So he hangs the phone up, turns to his wife, said, Well, the kids are coming for Thanksgiving and they're paying their own way. <laughs> A solution. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know where that come from. It just was fun. All right. Okay. Well, let's go to our text now. We're in Mark chapter 4 and verses 3 through 6. Hearken. And this is, by the way, this is Jesus speaking there, giving this parable on the sower. Hearken. Behold. There went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass As he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, because it had no root. It withered away. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray now as we look into your word that you'd help me to rightly divide your word. Oh, Lord, I pray that it'd be thy Holy Spirit that speaks in me and through me and speaks to hearts. Lord, I just pray that it will be thy spirit that holds the attention of each person. And it'll be thy spirit that gives great understanding to the Word far beyond even what I'm able to say this morning in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name I pray it. Amen. The last two Sundays we've been looking at this uh, parable of the sower and uh, sowing seed. And sometimes you wonder where do you get your sermons? Sometimes you do a study of a book of the Bible and you go on that. Other times it's just in your personal devotions. And this is one that just several weeks ago come out of my personal devotions, and the more I'd think on it, the more the Lord would just seem to give you. And so I spoke to my heart, and I I said, well, these are things we're supposed to know. And yet I remember Peter and Paul, James, John, I mean, they're they're all saying, we'll put you in remembrance, put you in remembrance of these things. And even Christ told the the disciples He'd give His Holy Spirit after left to put them in remembrance of these things that He'd said. So, we do need to be reminded. Uh, Pastors need to be reminded. We all need to be reminded. And I think that's a good thing. So, uh, we're looking at this seed, and we were told that the seed, last week we said the seed is the Word of God. Now, I think of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, and verse 25, where it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God. The Word of God, the Bible, is the seed that we as Christians are supposed to sow, which liveth and abideth forever. The Word of God is an eternal Word. The Word of God is a Word that is still Filled with the power of God because it is written by the breathed out words. Every word of God. And so, we have the Bible and it is fully preserved for us intact. Uh, it was been preserved for us in English through the King James uh, Version 16 11 of the Bible. Now, I know some people get upset with that. But uh, we say, well, we've got to have it more understandable language. You know what you're saying when you say that. <laughs> the King James was written on a fifth grade level. So, if you say, I can't understand what fifth grade reading, then, then uh, you needed some help. You need to sue those that taught you critical thinking, because <laughs> uh, it doesn't work, okay? It doesn't work. All right, so, again, it is preserved for us. And uh, as a result of that, uh, we stick with it. We're not as many which corrupt the Word of God. It says in Second Corinthians, uh, Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 17, For we're not as many which corrupt the Word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Now, I find it interesting that even when Jesus was on earth, we find the Pharisees were trying to corrupt the Word of God. They tried to change the Ten Commandments. They were amending the Ten Commandments so that a man didn't have to honor his mother and father. I mean, that's what they were doing. And Jesus uh, let them know about it. They're putting a lot of their traditions ahead of the Word of God. Now you say, yeah, but what about all these uh, changes in the Bible? And they're telling us about the heirs. Well, you've got 5,400 over 5,400 manuscripts of which the King James has put together that has what we call 90%, 95% actually it's 95 to 96% uh, agreement. You say well what does that mean? 4% of it's wrong? No. What they do is they go through those well over 5,400 manuscripts. And they're on, let's just say, on the book of Colossians. Colossians, uh, I think it's verse 14 there in chapter 1, says that uh, we're cleansed by uh, get forgiveness of sins through his blood. Okay, and some say through his blood should not be in there. Why? Because it was not of those 5,400 manuscripts and the many of them that were on Colossians, two of those manuscripts didn't have through his blood. Okay, they were handwritten, they were copied. Two of them didn't have it. Now, if you look at what they use, what's called the Alexandrian text, critical text it's called, and see what they have. They have a multitude of discrepancies. And what's so funny about it, every four years they keep changing it. Now, wait a minute. You said you, by scientific means you arrived at it, we have the most accurate thing now. And then four or five years later said, well, we've corrected it. Now we have the most accurate. Four or five years later, now we've corrected it. Now we have the most accurate. I just want to stick with the Word of God by which I got saved, you know. And so, I encourage you to make sure you have a King James Bible. That's not a story on the King James. Uh, 1 Peter 1.25 says, But the Word of the Lord endureth forever. Now, if it endureth forever, that means the Word of the Lord is not lost. None of it passes away. And we have God's Word, which by the Gospel, he says, is preached unto you. Now, the sower then is sowing the gospel according as is written in this word. Now, some people question Jesus. In John chapter 6 and verse 63, he says, It is the Spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. See, sometimes it's the flesh that says, Well, we're too intelligent for that. We're, we, we, we can't be fooled by that. You know, no, it. God said He breathed out every word. If you breathed out every word, and He said that not one jot or tittle of it would pass away, then, my friend, count on it, not one jot or tittle is going to pass away from the Word of God. Okay? Man says it does, but uh, that, that's what your choice comes down to. Do I believe God, or do I believe man? Uh, go with God. Go with God. Now, so, again, He says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, think of what that means. The Word that I'm speaking to you is spirit and life. Well, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 of John 1 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the Word became flesh. The Word, Christ. The Word, the written Word, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, the living Word no conflict between the two. They are both, they are both one together. And of Jesus it says in that same chapter, John 1 verse 4, in Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light, that that brings us to life and salvation. The Word of God. One cannot get saved if the salvation that is offered is not according to the Word of God. You see, salvation is not doing the best you can. Man, I'm really trying that. I even have a devotional book that I read, and, and, and I say this prayer that, that I was taught to pray when I was a kid, and, and uh, I learned here, or I learned there. And, and so I pray that every day too. Well, it's not doing the best you can, it's not doing something religious, it's not joining a church, it's not getting baptized. You see, Jesus said it best, you must be born again. That's the only way. It's the only way. Every Christian should be a sower of the gospel of Christ according to the Word of God the seed. You know, when you sow something, you sow seed. So, sow the true seed, the good seed, the only seed, the Word of God. Jesus not only told us that it was the Word of God, but then He also tells us what it means. Those first two things, the wayside and then The stony ground. He tells us about it. Verse 15, he says, And these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. In their hearts. Some have sin that they realize that if they receive Christ, he wants to cleanse them from those sins. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. There are things in some, some people's lives that says, well, I want saved from sin. I don't want to go to hell. But I don't want my sin taken away. There are things they do they enjoy. Now, it's not saying, well, if I quit doing all these things, I'm saved. No. As a matter of fact, I find that whatever's that sin that has a hold of us, we can't get rid of ourselves. We can't. We've got to turn to Jesus Christ, understanding He's going to take my sin away. And Satan's going to be arguing the whole way. You realize that bird we're told is Satan? It's not that the seed wasn't sown in the heart, it was in the heart. It's evident. It was sown in the heart. It's there. They know. They know they have a need. And they know that it's going to take repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ if they are going to be saved. They understand. You know, a lot of times we we have our, a lot of our Baptist churches have been uh, guilty of this. We say, once saved, you're always saved. And, and I believe in eternal security. I really do. But then they kind of have an addition to it. And that denim, I think they would say. Now, you can go out and live like you want to. You still to go to heaven. You realize that we're told in 1 Corinthians that there were some that actually did that. And some died early. Some were very sickly. Understand, when you become a child of God, he spanks, he's, he, he, he's going to straighten out his kids. That's what God does. But they understand that full command. Acts 17.30, it says, God. Now notice, in Acts 17.30, it says, God commandeth all men everywhere. Not, not some men, not most men. He says it commands all men everywhere. Not that place, this place, that place. No, everywhere. God commandeth all men everywhere to repent because He's appointed a day in which He will judge the world and He goes on to tell us to be by that man whom He ordained. It's proven by His death, burial, and resurrection that He rose from the dead. See, that's the way God gives us an understanding Salvation. Do you realize you'll hear so many things about Christmas? Well, that's what Christmas is all about. I mean, you watch all the Hallmark movies <coughs> all year long, evidently, and uh, see all those Christmas movies. But uh, you know, boy, they so lack like, so greatly because it's not about the Jesus Christ who came to die for the sin of the whole world. I like the way it says it's in First John chapter two. He says, take away our sins, not uh, for our sins only. He's a propitiation for our sins. Propitiation meaning the entire payment. Not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. He paid it all. He paid for everyone in the world's sin. Or you got to say, I disagree with the Bible if you don't believe that. But that's, a <clears throat> that's below fifth grade to say that. Now, So understand. They believe that they gotta repent, but the devil boy, as soon as they get that that gospel, gets sown in their heart, what happens? The devil comes there. It's just like in the Garden of Eden. (laughs) Look, uh, that's what you think God said. Yeah, God said that. He didn't say that thou, lest thou die. He said thou shalt surely die. (laughs) The devil corrected Eve. But then after that he says, You're not going to surely die. He doesn't want you to be as it. Boy, that sounds good. Boy, the fruit does look great. See, questioning the Bible and trying to cast doubt on the Word of God started back in the garden. That's not a new thing. Throughout the Old Testament it happened. The new Testament has happened. And today it still happens. It's still the Word of God. And it's still true. And it's preserved forever. And it always will be. And so, sometimes these people, they love those churches where you can go. And uh, they turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. You know, we're saved by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says. But, Jude 4 says they turn God's grace into lasciviousness. That means anything goes. Yeah, it's all right. you got liberty to do anything you want. You know, there's a truth to that. You do have a liberty to do whatever you want to. God created you with a free will. But God also punishes you for doing that. You know? I mean, when I was a little boy, four or five years old, my brother Dick and I, we ran away from home. I mean, we ran away from home. There was a punishment involved. Okay. By our free will, we ran away. By my dad's free will, he did something else. (laughs) Now look, some say, well, you don't know how badly I have sinned. You really don't know how bad I am. Your past or your present is not greater than the power of our God. Where sin abounded, the Bible says in Romans 5.20. Grace did much more abound. That's God's grace. You're not too great a sinner for the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from that sin and turn you from that, and the power of his blood to cleanse you from it, and then to turn you to eternal life in Christ Jesus. Yes, that was the cross of Calvary. And that blood is still effective and will always be to this very day. Ephesians 1.6 says if you're saved, you're accepted into beloved. You're accepted into heaven in Christ. Not your merit, not your work, but the work of Christ on the cross and paying our penalty in full on that cross old, rugged cross. So, giving them the Scripture, and the Word of God, the way of salvation, and although Satan will try to take that seed away, you never, 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 never give up on doing it. Yeah, Satan will take seed away. So what do you do? I mean, does a farmer ever sow his ground that needs to be sown, and he sows it, and then all of a sudden something happened, and Lost it, and he said, well, I'll never sow in that ground again. No. Reed does it. Sows other seed in there. Year after year, he's sowing seed. That's what they do. And so let him sow the seed. Because one day it may take root. Yes, we read as we look there, he says there, uh, that we're, that some of that uh, seed, we know if we're reseeding it's going to take heed. But in verses 16 and 17, he says, these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. Well, the birds evidently don't want to try to get seed out of stones. It's sown on stony ground, but there's one problem with that. It's On stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness man they're happy about that uh, but the guilt hits people that were raised in maybe a maybe a moral background, maybe a religious background maybe even a good church background but, Not true salvation. And they have messed up along the line, and then they realize, I'm a sinner, and they hear that word, and they get convicted, and they say, yeah, you know what? God will forgive me. That's a great thing. Yes, I receive it. Boy, they're so joyful, and they want to get involved, and yeah, I want to be a part. I want to sing in the choir. I want to do this, you know, and I want to be a part of it. And so, they receive it, but it's not really a root in their heart It's just a little flower that lies on the surface. Protected by rocks, but not the rock of ages. And it hasn't taken root in the soil. And so, it stresses them to think of ever having to face their sin again. And so they say, okay, that just, uh, I'm going to be this so that I don't have to feel all this guilt ever again. But verse 17 says, and have no root in themselves, so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake. Man, that preacher shouldn't preach on that. He knows everybody does that. It's all right today. The culture is different today than it was back in the 1940s, 50s, 60s. It's not the same culture. I know the culture's gotten more evil. Jesus came, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 4, in the fullness of time, it was as evil as it could get. It didn't change his message, though, did it? So, for the word's sake, and they are immediately offended. The Bible says in verse 17, as people who are delivered of their guilt, because they didn't want to go to hell, is what they're thinking, and so they're celebrating, oh, I received Christ, I'm all right now, but when the trials of their faith come, and they take a stand and stand for what's right, knowing that there's going to be people upset with them, and, and hard with it, and then they're going away from things they want to do, my kids won't like me, this won't like that. You see, all they had was a seed, but not a root. They had a seed, but not a root. So first, I want you to see, as the world sees it, that is, the troubles of life are defined and handled simply by how the world the world system, the culture views it. There are a lot of people that have a sentimental vision of religion, of Christ, the Word of God, but they don't have a commitment to Jesus Christ. It's sentimental. It's like you getting to Christmas t- time, uh, they're going to put up that Christmas tree. They're going to have the little Santa Clauses or whatever else they have out there. They're going to do those things. Why? Well, it's sentimental. We're going to have, they're going to have decorations. Well, it's sentimental. You know, it, 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 it's just that little thing in your heart. I remember, you know, you uh, you'll see something, and uh, even today uh, when I'll see something, I'll say, man, that reminds me of what my dad would do, or that reminds me of my mother. That, there, there's that sentimental thing, but it's, it's not there anymore. But it's sentimental. And too many treat the Word of God and its truth as only a sentiment and not a reality. And the call, the call that it gives. You see, the counsel of the culture is not the counsel of the Word of God. And so, therefore, the world ends up with something that the people today call. In different things which we're going to hit tonight PTSD yeah we have PTSD today and what in the world is the PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder look my parents got that every time they got a report home on me Uh, But look, those have bipolar. Why why, why is one called bipolar and the other? Because the bipolar ones didn't go to war. Now look, I believe that those things are very real as far as what they're feeling and what they go through. The world's answer is drugs. But I like the answer of the blood of Christ. I like the answer of the salvation that sets us free. From the shackles and chains of sin. Unto life. And as John tells us. Life more abundant. That's not talking about. Okay I'm going to be rich. You take all the riches you have on this earth. You can take all the riches of the richest man on earth to heaven. And he'll be a pauper. I want the riches of heaven. But my friend, you can't have the help of God in this counsel that would help you through those things that all the world can think of as drugs to treat you with or group therapy or something else. That, that, I guess that's it. You got to go, I got man, it just keeps coming back, coming back, coming back. Yes, it does. The world doesn't have the answer. That's why it comes back. Jesus Christ is the answer. Tonight I want to show that with you, but you know what? If you're not sure if you died today, that heaven's your home. There's no answer for you from this world. You know we get some things, you know, that we have to come in. There are there are medicines, there are drugs that have been do that. You get a headache, you take whatever you take, whether it's Advil or Tylenol and aspirin or something of like that You take it, and it helps it gone. It may be gone for weeks and months before you ever have another one. Might be even a year before you have another one. A lot of us have taken to CPAC, okay, for some kind of whatever we had. Boy, that was nice, wasn't it? It's you know, for those things. But you know, these other things that we're talking about, you don't have any of those pills for that. All they do is Zap you. Oh, this is going to make you feel calm. This is going to help you. But there's no deliverance. You see, I want that that delivers. Jesus Christ delivers. And you don't have the deliverance of Christ until first he's your Lord and Savior. Now look, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't care about whether you're raised in a preacher's home or whether you're raised in a drunkard's home. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone needs a Savior. I don't care if he was raised in a home that was, boy, that was just the perfect family. Wally, the Beeve and everybody, you know. But really, whether it's considered the perfect family or the dysfunctional family, the broken family, there's only one way for every person. For the Bible tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's only one Lord. There's only one Savior. There's only one way. Jesus said I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. My friend, if if you want to have eternal life, if you want to be cleansed uh, from your sin, not only your penalty paid for it, but Jesus can take its power over you from you and make you that new creature, that new person in Christ in which the former things are passed away and the whole, all things are made new. He can do that for you. But you must come to him in repentance, saying, you know what? I can't, I can't take away my sin. I can't pay what the penalty my sin deserves. You know, if you think you're going to do it on your own, this is what you have to be able to do. You have to be able to die with the Father God Almighty pouring out his eternal wrath on your soul and spirit. Be buried and raised from the dead on your own. Jesus did it. Jesus had no sin. But the wrath of the Father was poured out completely and totally upon his spirit and soul. Man only did what he could do to his body. What happened to Jesus on the cross and the body that we see on the movies and other things that you watch? That was nothing compared. I mean, it's terrible. But it's nothing compared to what the Father poured out upon his Human spirit. That's why he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because now the Father, the Father, looking down upon his seed, his only begotten Son, that your sin and my sin would be paid for. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Because when he saw your sin and my sin, even on his only begotten son, his attitude about sin did not change. Jesus despised it. He despised it. But for the joy set before him, he endured it. Don't waste that. He wants to save you, and he will. He'll take away your sin if you will let him. But he lets that decision up to you. You either let that bird steal the seed from your heart or you let the sun of burning fire of the sun of reproach from the world. keep you from it. But my friend, today you're being offered to have an opportunity to receive Christ. And let me tell you something. There's no joy in in it for me. But to tell you this, that if you walk out and reject it, one day you'll stand before God And this opportunity will be heard loud and clear that you passed up. All of heaven will see it. You think this old preacher's dumb? You'll seem like the dumbest person that ever lived. You'll feel that way when you stand before God and all see it. That day is coming. Why not take care of it now? So you can enter into His presence, confident, and not ashamed. Let's bow our heads, please.